Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. As you guys are sitting down, uh, I do want to take a quick second, and all the middle schoolers uh, that are hanging out in service, I want to release you to go to your group. Uh, you guys can go do uh, uh, church together. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, today, we are continuing on in a series, and actually this is the very last part of it, uh, but it's a series we started just a, a few short weeks ago called What's Next? We've been talking about spiritual growth and maturity. We've been talking about, uh, in our own lives, this adventure of life that God has blessed us with as we look forward towards this this new year of 2024. Uh, It's crazy to think that we're already through the first month almost. But as we plan and look out, we want to make sure that we're growing in the right direction, that we're going in the right direction. And so uh, we're looking inward spiritually in our own selves to find out what are the things that we need to be doing next in our lives? What are, what are the steps and the process going through as we, as we start this new year, as we, set, as we set our sights on what's ahead, what is next? And uh, as we've been going through these different parts, we talked about the importance of knowing God that needs to be number one. We gotta look back and see, make sure, do we have that relationship? Do we understand him? The second thing we do is we, we, we find freedom through these elements that he's blessed us with, right, through community uh, building together. We discover a purpose, which is what we talked about last week. And today, I want to take the next step and talk about the importance of making a difference through serving. Making a difference through serving. Um, that first scripture that I read uh, in the book of Mark, Jesus very much uh, communicates about how culture is adjusted as he comes along. He's speaking to a, a group of people who very much in that day culture was, if you uh, had status, it was because of a position, it was because of your job, it was because of, of what you did maybe for the Roman government or what you did as part of the faith. The Pharisees, they, they were proud of the fact that they were in the hierarchy that it came to when it come to religious law. And the higher that you were, the more prestigious it was. We can get into uh, certain different uh, parallels in the world that we live in right now, Right? Uh, you look at people's Instagram, right? We all were trying to communicate like, hey, where, where are we at? These are the good things that we're, we're doing. This is, this is the, uh, uh, the vacation I'm going on, or this is the house that we just built or that we moved into, or the new car that we're getting, right? The new job we're into. We, we, we project this, this sense of adventure because, because ultimately we care about what other people think of us. But Jesus here clearly communicates. He adjusts uh, the people's way of thinking. He said, hey, it's not about your hierarchy. It's not about your position. It's not about the authority that you have. He said, because truly what matters most is humility. What matters most is, is, is serving. And so literally we see Jesus comes to this earth and he says, I didn't come to be served, but I came, I came to serve. Romans chapter 12 verse, verse uh, 10 says this. It says, be devoted 
to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Um, the Nichols family, we've been um, going through uh, the past couple months of, of kind of in-between uh, sports and activities. We get, went back in school. We're back in the, the rhythm of life with that, and we're about ready to get back into sports. And one of the things that, that uh, my kids play is I got Ben. He plays uh, baseball, and I got Olivia that plays, plays T-ball, or uh, she plays uh, softball. And uh, one of the things that I love to see happen is when they will do it together, when they will throw the ball or, like, help each other practice and yesterday, uh, being one of the, the, the short periods of time that we've had in this Florida winter, which has been so crazy, it was a beautiful day out, and Olivia and Ben said, hey, let's go throw the ball in the backyard. And as a dad, like, I'm not going to act like I just heard that, but on the inside, that brings me a lot of joy. I see them go outside, and they start throwing the ball, and I'm like, man, this, we got it together, man. We got some good kids. They are, we are good parents. And that lasted for like 30 seconds. Because wouldn't, it be, wouldn't you be, believe somebody got hit in the head with a softball or someone's not throwing it right or Olivia's being too bossy. I'm super surprised about that. And as they come in, I, I sit them down and I try to teach them. This is something I'm, I'm teaching them every day. Like you guys need to understand you're on the same team. You are there to help one another. You should be an encouraging and helping teach one another, but you're constantly caught up in this thing of competition. And as a dad, I'm going to tell you, one of the things that like hurts me the most, one of the things that gets under my skin the most is when I see my kids try to compete with one another. What I want to see as a dad is see them help one another, help them eat each other grow, get them to a point where, where one of them teaches the other one little things that they've learned and back and forth. And I hope one day that that's, that's what it gets to. But I think sometimes when it comes to us as followers of Christ, when it comes to us as, as Christians, our Heavenly Father looks down upon us and he wants to see the same thing. He wants to see us helping each other out, helping each other grow, coming along beside each other. And if someone's going through a tough time, to help them through the tough time, to encourage them. But I'm afraid that many times, even in my own life, he looks down and, and am I just in competition with other people around me? Am I worried so much about trying to get to the next step in, this, in the ladder that is the culture that I'm in that I miss out on the purpose that God has called me to? The Apostle Paul writes about this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 to, two to 5. He's writing to the church in Philippi. He says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, the Apostle Paul, he's writing this to the church of Philippi, and, and, and the reason he's writing is because at some point they were a little bit off track. These letters that he sent, he's trying to coach him as, as a bigger brother. What He's like, hey, you're, you're going about it a little bit wrong. Let me help adjust you. 
says, man, you should be in unity with one another. You should be helping one another. You should be caring about more than just yourself. Love on one another. I, I think the message is as strong today as it was back then. I think as followers of Christ, we need to be willing to serve and help each other. Jesus teaches about this in a very clear way. He does something that is so just outlandish compared to what would have been culturally appropriate in his time uh, during his final days here on this earth. In the book of John, chapter 13, verse 1, it says this. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I want to stop there. He's, this is giving you so much context. It's saying very clearly that Jesus knew, like, hey, this is the end of my ministry. He knew what was going to happen next. He's saying, he's communicating to us so much. He's saying this is how much Jesus loved his disciples. He understood everything that was going to happen and everything that happened up until this point. He said it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. That verse in verse 3, you need to understand, he is saying he understands he has completed the task of being the perfect one. Jesus came in and lived life. He went through his ministry. He did not sin. He lived perfectly. And with this, God gives him the authority of everything else. He says, man, you have completed the task. And so if everyone else, if there is a hierarchy when it comes to who's doing life the best, who is most successful, Jesus is at the very top right at this, po- at this moment. He is better than anyone could ever get. And from that position, from that place, from that, that height, this is what comes next. It says in verse 4 that he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had around him. I want you to picture this. Jesus is sitting down at the Passover feast, celebrating with his disciples. They're remembering back all that God has done in the years they've been together, but also what God did getting the Israelites out of Egypt. But before it happens, before the celebration, Jesus, dressed and ready to celebrate, stops, puts on his work clothes, and sits down to do this job of washing the disciples' feet. Now, this is something that in our culture, uh, it's a little bit weird, Right? Even right now, if I brought someone up and, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to wash your feet, right, that would be kind of a weird thing. We don't see that happening nowadays. That's not something that happens in, in churches. It's not something that happens in, in everyday world. But for you to get what is going on in this moment, you got to understand those days, like, everyone wore sandals. Everyone would walk the streets, and the streets were not paved they weren't cleaned regularly like they are here in New Smyrna where the, the sweeper truck goes by all the time. They were dusty. They were dirty. People in their house, they would throw sewage into the streets and, and let it wash away whenever the rain would come. 
it was a dirty place. And so as people were walking around, stepping in and, and waste from, from camels and donkeys and cows and horses and everything else, before they would walk into someone's house, if, if, if that house was uh, successful enough, if the, if the people were well enough, they would have a servant at the door that was there to wash the grime and the junk and the grossness off of people's feet. Now, this is not something, one, I got a weird thing with feet. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you right now, feet are weird. Like, you ladies that, like, you go to get your pedicures and stuff like that or whatever you pay, 30, 40, I don't even know how much is a pedicure nowadays. 50 bucks? You didn't tell me that before. 50 bucks to go get a pedicure. I never, I've never got a pedicure. Erica's like, you would love it. I was like, I will kick that little lady across the room. I am so ticklish, there ain't no chance she's going to get next to these 12-size flippers. But if you were well enough in those days, you would have someone that was the lowliest servant have to do the worst job in the house of wiping people's feet and trying to clean them and get them ready as they would come into the house. This would have been a gross, gross job. But here Jesus, the one that is completed the task that is perfect, that is on high, that has come from Jesus and will return to Jesus, or come from God and will return to God, who God has given all authority to, puts on his work clothes and bends down and does the job that no one wants to do. In John chapter 13, verse 12, says, after washing their feet, he put his robe, or put on his robe, and they sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. As a, as a Christian, which means to be like Christ, our, our daily thing we should strive for is try to live like him. And literally the man that did it perfectly in one of his final moments, final acts, final lessons he teaches to his disciples says, of everything you've seen, loving and serving one another, hum- humbling yourself and helping those around you is one of the best things that you can do. It's one of the things that I want you to continue to go out and do. I, um, for years, whenever I preached, I would preach from this, uh, this, uh, like high top table that I would have here up on stage. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of pastors will preach from a pulpit, which to each his own. It's not, I'm not looking down on anybody that preaches from behind a pulpit. Uh, but it's just not, not really my style. Some of these pulpits are big and, 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 you know, there's lots of ornate things on them, and it, it communicates, uh, you know, just intelligence and, and hierarchy and all that stuff and, like, things that I'm, that's not, that's not me. So I preached from a table until about a little less than a year ago. A little less than a year ago, I, I went and I, I had this idea to, um, to get this pulpit built. We can call it a pulpit, but it's not really, it's not really a pulpit. What it is... Um, if, you're, if you live around New Smyrna or Oak Hill or Edgewater or Mims or anywhere else like that, you've 
seen these along, uh, probably along the road or out on the water, on the back of a, a flat skiff. It's a, it's a polling platform. Now, I wouldn't dare just try to stand on this thing because we'd have a funny video to, to put up on YouTube, the pastor going for a ride off the stage. But this, this polling platform would go on the, on the very back of a boat. When it comes to, to going out and fishing and stuff like that, the, the place you want to be is on the front. The front is the person that gets to, to catch the fish. They're the person that get to, get to see everything that's going on. They get to experience the pleasure and the joy of catching the fish. Yesterday I took my family out on, on, on our little boat, and, and I've got Olivia up there, and she's, she's seeing fish, and I'm trying to teach her how to, how to catch fish. But I'm nowhere in the position to be able to catch the fish. I'm, I'm in the back. And not only that is, is when I'm in the back, it's, it's one of those things that, that I've got this pole in my hand, and I've actually got to do some work. I've got to, I'm responsible for pushing the boat along. So for the boat to get where it needs to go, I've got to put in the effort. I've got to put in the work to get there. It's one of those things that anyone else standing on the front, they look back and the guy in the back and they're like, man, it looks like you got a lot of choring going on. You're, you're, working, you're working pretty hard. But as I stand in, in the back of the boat, not, not on the front, not in a leadership role, as I stand on the back and I, and I effort and I put in the effort and there's a chance that the person on the front, the person I'm serving, gets a chance to experience something that they've never experienced before. Gets to experience, uh, just even for a few short seconds, the joy or the adrenaline rush or the, the, the anxiety of, of, of trying to get the, the, the lure or the bait right in front of the fish so that it'll catch it. And, and when that happens, when I see that person catch the fish or when I see that person get successful at what they're doing, for me, it's, it's, it's all worth it. I think when it comes to the church, our church, the church in general, we've got a lot of people that want to stand on the front of the boat. They want to experience the joy and the, the, the pleasure. And, and we forget that, that Jesus says, man, sometimes you need to get on the back and you need to help other people get there. You need to get on the back, and, and it might take some effort. It might take a little sweat equity that you got to put in, and you got to push. It might not always be easy. Maybe the boat, maybe the, the, the situation's a lot tougher, and you got to really push through. But in serving one another, there's an opportunity for us all to grow. And so, so I preach from this polling platform to remind myself that, that this is not a place of leadership or hierarchy, but this, this pulpit is a place of, of service. It's a place of teaching. It's a place of, of, of getting people into a, a position of opportunity. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know if it happens through you coming up here and preaching on a Sunday or anything, but, but I think in general, generally, Jesus gives you opportunities, gives us opportunities to help push people into the right position every day but we're the ones that have to accept the responsibility. When it comes to figuring out what's next in your life, I, I want to challenge you to think about the areas in which you can serve other people around you. It'll make you a better person, I guarantee it. 
It'll make our church a better church. It'll make our community a better community if we will adjust ourselves and, 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 and move ourselves just 17 feet back on the boat in life and say, I'm not going to be on the front. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to push along the way. Jesus says, you've seen me do this. I want you to continue to do it. Paul writes about the great example that Jesus gave us uh, to the church also in Philippi. He writes them telling this, this. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position uh, of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. He gave him the name above all other names. And as the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's something different about the culture of the kingdom than there is culture of the world. Our culture says, be at the top, be number one. Jesus says, help each other grow, serve one another. I'm going to leave you with one last story. This is uh, the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 30, and as the band starts to make their way back up, um, Jesus communicating to his disciples, and ultimately even to us, and to the culture around him, uh, showed a great story of how we should love one another, how we should step out of what is culturally okay and what the world says we should do and go above and beyond with what we have. In chapter 10, verse 30 of the book of Luke, it says, Jesus replied with a story. So a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him. He says, next, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by the other side of the road. Then, a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which one of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. The thing that was incredible about that story is Samaritans and Jewish people did, did not get along. They, they, were not, they were not neighbors. They would not have talked to one another. 
They would have been of different political affiliations. They would have been of different nationality. But in spite of their differences, Jesus says the Samaritan comes and shows compassion and love and helps out the man in need. I say this as a challenge to myself. I don't say this out of condemnation. At any point, if you feel convicted for this, please know that this is not, it's not my desire. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is putting in you right now. Maybe he's trying to adjust some things in you. But my hope is this, is that, that we understand that if we will step out and serve those around us, it's just like serving God. The way that we serve God, the way that we love on God, is by serving those that he has put around us. One last verse I want to read. In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 31. It says, but when Jesus, the Son of Man, comes in his glory, and all his angels with him, Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will gather in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you came and visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothes? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you do it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I love when we get up and worship. And here in a second, we're going to get a chance to do it. We're going to be able to raise our voice. But serving is a fantastic way to worship God. And it's something that you should do. It's part of the purpose that you've been given. So I want to challenge you this week. You're going to be given opportunities, I guarantee it. You're going to be given opportunities to serve those around you. Maybe it's those in your own household. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone in this church. Maybe even right now as, as, as you sit here, you think about the many ways that people are serving God by serving us. We've got people that showed up at 7 o'clock in the morning setting out signs, 7 o'clock in the morning setting up this, uh, this worship area that we have in here. We've got people that are serving behind the scenes in the tech booth we got people that are serving online. we got people that are serving in the kids' ministry right now. I mean, I'm going to say, side note, the kids' ministry is blowing up. Like, we're at a point where it's, it's, it's one of these things, like, we've got to get some more people to volunteer and be a part of what God's doing over there. I'm a result of people that served God and loved on him by coming and teaching me about Jesus. If it wasn't for Blaine Wiggins and his wife Sharon, I wouldn't be here today. I want to challenge you to serve God by serving those around you. Take the next step. It'll make you better. It'll make our church better. It'll make the world a better place. And it's something that God has commanded us to do. 
as part of our purpose. I want to challenge you with that this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to invite you to stand as I do this. Let's go ahead and stand right now. Before we leave, we're going to pray for a second, and we're going to praise and worship. And we got a couple announcements, so don't be running out the door yet. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending your son. Jesus, I thank you so much for how you served us, for what you did, for the price that you paid, for the example that you set. Now I pray right now that you would challenge us and charge us here this week as we go into to work on Monday, as we go home in the, the car right after this, as we get to our house, as we prepare for the week to come. I pray that you would show us ways that we can serve those around us. I pray that you would challenge us to step out of what is comfortable and serve your church to help worship continue to go on here in Coastline Church, to help kids ministry continue to grow the way it's growing. God, thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us. Let's not lose sight as this is part of how you charge us and challenge us to grow. Thank you so much for what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.